Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew. And joining me today via Zoom is interim manager of Methodist Library and Special Collections, Candace Riley. Hello, Candace. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Doing great. How about you, Andrew? I'm doing well. So what do you have for us today? So today I'm going to show you my favorite collection in the Methodist Library. And that's not to say that I don't love all of our collections. But this one has a special place in my heart. So this is the George Fraser Black Collection on Witchcraft. This is a fan favorite by a lot of our students as well. This collection actually uh, came to us from Fairleigh Dickinson University, and it arrived in about 2001. So it was first donated to Fairleigh Dickinson from the holdings of a librarian by the name of George Fraser Black. That's where we get the name of our collection. So uh, George Fraser Black was a scholar of witchcraft, primarily of a history of Scotland and the Romanian gypsies, and he loved witchcraft history. So we have a collection of his books, as well as some pamphlets and some of his own work as well. And the books range between the 16th and the 20th century. And the highlight of our collection is the Malleus Maleficarum from 1580. Oh, wow. 1580. Yeah. So this is the oldest book in the collection. Um, it was rebound, so it's in this uh, very kind of basic um, brown leather. Yeah, and but I see it's about the size of your hand there, too, it is. It's, right? It's a, it's a great pocket size or yeah. a small satchel. So this book, um, The Malleus Maleficarum, translates to The Hammer of Witches. This book was a witch hunting guide. It was a very, very popular book that was printed during the 16th century almost as popular as the Bible. Oh, wow. That that tells you how popular this book was. Sure. And this book is in Latin, and it talks all about how to find witches, what to do when you find the witch. Uh, do they have familiars? Um, are they you know, collecting certain herbs? And then what to do once you find them? And like, you know, who do you turn them into? What precautions you have to take? And it is a, a substantially thick volume. So even yeah. though it is small, it is about 800 pages long. Our copy um, has some annotations in the margins. Uh, so we'd like to speculate that maybe it was owned by a witch hunter or sure. somebody who was fascinated in looking for witches around them. Maybe not they were active about it, but they were they were fascinated. They were intrigued when this book was used, which is always something I think that very exciting to see in, in these books. Yeah, I can see some of the passages are underlined there. Yeah, and so the size of the book, as you mentioned, is really wonderful because it could fit in a satchel. So this book you could carry with you, let's say you were traveling and you wanted to look out for witches on your journey, you could easily put it in your bag and, and carry it to the next location. It's not a giant tome that's going to sit on your bookshelf at home that would break your horse's back while riding. Right. So, I mean, between the the Latin and the, I, I mean, I presume that such a book would have been expensive at the time. Uh, what do we know about who would have bought this? Well, because it was so popularly printed, it was accessible to a lot of people. Well, those that at least would be reading Latin. So you have to have you know enough money to then buy the printing of it. But it was read by quite a lot of people. Um, so that's, and we have so many copies in existence of it. And also within our holdings, we have an English translation of the Malleus Maleficarum because not everyone can read Latin, which is completely fine. So um, we have different subsections within the Malleus Maleficarum. 
One is called That Witchcraft is Not Exercised and Wrought by Voices and Words Under a Favoring Influence of the Stars. So to mention how you need to proceed about certain words that are being uttered and listen to that and note the constellations overhead. So kind of all these things you would think about now when you think about witchcraft or tarot, stars, familiars, this is all coming back to these days, the Malleus Maleficarum in the 16th century. Oh, wow. So this is maybe where some of our tropes and our, our assumptions and our stereotypes about witches come from. Absolutely. Uh, this one in chapter 15, I mentioned how they raise and stir up hailstorms and tempests and cause lightning to blast both men and beasts so that witches have control over these elements. And maybe they're the reasoning we're having so much snow and hail recently. <laughs> <laughs> Was this English translation printed around the same time? No, this is later. This is 1928. And it's, oh, okay. this is just a scholar's copy um, gotcha. that George Fraser Black would have used. But I'm assuming he also knew Latin in being a librarian at the New York Public Library, mm. as well as having a collection of books on witchcraft. So that's our oldest book in the collection and the most intriguing a lot by our students. When they see this, they get all excited because it's like, oh my God, it's, it's possibly a real witch hunting manual. <laughs> but we have other books in the collection that are also great. This one is called Witch Stories by Lynn Linton. So it's a collection of different witch stories usually around the UK, primarily Scotland. So our collection is very focused then on that lore in England and Scotland, where they talk about a lot of the Highlands witches. There was one story of a witch who would change the milk that you had. So you have to be beware of drinking that milk. Oh, wow. um, this one is here on Jeanette Watson and the Devil in Green. So all these different accounts, which is very important to kind of see the history behind these witches in these regions to learn the stories. And he also had other books on witch hunting and witch trials. And that is something a lot of people are very fascinated about, especially the Salem witch trials. Sure. We have um, a few books on the Salem witch trials, not a lot. We do have a, a manuscript of the Salem witch, not from that time, but someone's reflection on it in our holdings as well. But I would hope one day we could expand the collection and possibly get some witchcraft items related to like voodoo and hoodoo and other cultures as well. So that's really lacking. I think we need to have a more full, fuller picture on what witchcraft means or, you know, what people believe in. So if there are any listeners who are out there who have access to and who are willing to donate such materials. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what we, a lot of our students are looking for items like that because they want to understand the witchcraft in different cultures. And these sources are heavily used for research papers. And this is one of the books I was telling you about, um, Evil Eye in the Western Highland. So that, that focus again on that, that Scottish interest in witchcraft. And you get a lot of really great stories about these you know, so-called witches because these women who were often you know, dealing with herbs, home remedies, midwives, they would be deemed witches. And they would be given that, you know, dark stigma to them. And then they would be, unfortunately, you know, taken and killed because of that. And what they were really just doing is helping people. Yeah. So I mean, what an impossible position to be in, because in small rural communities, right, people relied on midwives um, and, and women to administer medicine. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, they could be perceived as witches. Yes. So we have, you know, different stories within these books about 
you know, what you could see as a witch, which often, like you said, are these women who are, you know, helpful, which is very unfortunate. And we have other uh, stories in here called like taboo when in position of water. So still kind of everything you would think about nowadays, as we were mentioning about what makes somebody a witch, what we think about as a witch, it's coming from this lore that has been talked about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And you get these wonderful witch stories as well from as early as the medieval period as like the witch of Berkeley. And we have that story referenced in our Nuremberg Chronicle. There was a witch or, you know, she referred to herself as a witch who knew she was going to die. And she made a pact with the devil during her life. And she told both of her sons, I know I'm going to die soon, but I need you to protect my corpse. And the way they would protect her corpse was they sewed it up in the skin of a stag and to protect it and, you know, you know, cast a certain protection device around it so that the devil could not take her body. Well, the devil still took her body and the image that's very popular of the witch of Berkeley is a woman who looks traditionally like a a witch or a hag kind of on the back of a horse with a devil-like creature in the front of the horse riding off with her. Oh, wow. What a fascinating story and what a great callback to season one, episode one of Drew Archives and 10 with the Nuremberg Chronicles. Absolutely. It's one of our favorite books. I'm always happy to talk about the Nuremberg. So yeah, there's a lot of these wonderful accounts. And if you ever wanted to study witchcraft or how women were persecuted and deemed as witches, the George Frazier Black Collection on Witchcraft is a really wonderful resource that we have at Drew University. And this is great to then refer to other types of books that we have on like the Dance of Death, and Dance of Macabre, like also known as the Dance of Macabre, um, our plague books, they kind of fit all in the same category of the macabre. And we have a lot of students who want to see this. And it's, it's a fascinating thing to kind of look at this, this part of history and humanity. Yeah, what a great collection and, and clearly very popular among students. Yeah, so take a look. And if you have any questions, uh, let us know because we're always happy to share this material. Well, thanks very much for sharing these with us, Candace. You're very welcome. That's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candace Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10.